The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side of the Sea of Galilee while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but by this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, do not be afraid, it is I. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and, be and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. We are not called to walk on water. Even if, with enough faith, we might be able to do so, we are not called to walk on water. We are not even required to be infinite, or all-powerful, or even exceptional. We're simply to do what we can and trust God to provide. All humans have limits. Even Jesus had limits. He is, after all, fully human. Being the Son of God does not diminish the limits of his humanity. We tend to lose sight of those. We all need boundaries. Jesus even needed some boundaries and space and time for self-care, away from the crowds, and even away from our family and our friends. Jesus even Jesus needed time away from the relentless needs of the people who were following after him. He is constantly torn, and we see it in this rhythm between his reaching out and being filled with compassion and having mercy on people and entering the fray and his desire to pull back and escape and find time alone. He sees them, and he heals their ills and wants to end their sufferings, and yet he needs to rest and be replenished by God. Just before dusk, Jesus has had a crowd of, well, 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children, 
sit down on the grass and he had his disciples bring to him the five loaves and the two fish that they had discovered and he breaks the loaves and blesses them and has the disciples distribute them to all these people and they all eat and are satisfied and when the disciples have collected the leftovers there are 12 baskets full of bread a miracle and immediately after the leftovers are collected Jesus tells his disciples to go and get into that boat that he had been in this morning and to cross over to the other side of the lake while he dismisses the crowd he is exhausted if we've been reading his story and following along, he has now for several days in a row been inundated by crowds and the relentless needs of the people, and he has tried and tried to find some time alone and not been successful. All days are like this for Jesus and for us. There is always another crowd waiting in every town and on every shore, and there is always going to be another crisis. It is so easy to get caught up in the needs of other people, and in our work, and our responsibilities, and even our distractions, until we are walking like zombies, or fighting frenziedly to keep our heads above the water. And in the midst of trying to care for everyone and everything, we convince ourselves that if we don't do it, then it won't get done, that nobody else will. It's like we're assuming that it's all up to us, and in assuming that it's all up to us, we have left God completely out of the picture. We forget that God is part of the equation that God can do what we cannot do, that God is present before we even show up, and God is, long, is there long after we have gone. But Jesus has the wisdom and the insight to know that if he does not take the time that he needs to be alone with God, time to pray, time to breathe, time to pause and receive, that he is not gonna be of any use to anyone. So he risks being stranded on that side of the lake in order to be alone, and he goes up on this mountain and he remains there by himself all night. We tend to focus on Jesus' activity, on all the healings and all of the miracles and all of the teachings. We focus on his actions just like all those people in the crowds, all those other people who ever sought after him. We focus on the activity and we just rush right over the scenes of solitude as though the time alone was somehow unimportant. We treat the mountain time or the moment he takes alone in the boat as though it were just an intermission, you know, a filler while we run to the restroom or raid the refrigerator, a, a safe pause where we can just skip over this time of prayer and be back without missing any miracles. But the time alone is maybe the most critical. Self-care, soul care is a divine gift 
God even made it a law and called it Sabbath, which was just radical in the beginning. But it's not just time off. It's not just couch time or time to surf on the internet or to watch endless episodes on TV. It's supposed to be time away, time along with God to pray and be replenished. And in these pre-dawn hours, and the boat with the disciples is pushed further and further and further from the shore, and it's battered by the wave, and they're far away from the shore. Jesus is apparently caught in the same storm, but he doesn't panic. measure of the space time alone moss. You cannot jump for every storm and still embody soul care, self-care, renewal. We're not the only solution at God's disposal. I think we forget that, that, you know, if God doesn't use me individually, that somehow just God doesn't have any other people to work with, or if God doesn't do it with our congregation, well, then God can't get it done, and so forth. But perhaps God has another plan, or another man, or another woman, or another way that God can make out of seemingly no way. And then after Jesus has taken this full measure of time, after Jesus' spirit and mind and body have been rejuvenated, he arises and he leaves the mountain. And he begins to make his way across this roaring sea towards his disciples. We translate it the sea. Sometimes it's translated the deep. It stands for all those forces that would sink us. It's the, uh, it represents the spirit of chaos that would capsize us and end us. And yet Jesus is untouched by the chaos and is walking with confidence and purpose with the help of God. Time alone with God will do that for us. That soul-tending pause lifts us above the fray so that we can walk calmly and confidently through the storm and above the waves. The disciples, though, in the boat are so caught up in their panic and in the emergency and everything that is happening around them that they can't comprehend the vision. They assume he's a ghost or a spirit and they scream out in terror and they're in panic mode. And then Jesus offers immediate assist, uh, assurance, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter needs proof. He stands for all of us who ever doubt or are uncertain or don't recognize Christ in the midst of our own panic and chaos and terror. So Peter says, if it's you, if it's you, Lord, well, then command me to join you on the water. And Jesus says, come, but it's, it's nuanced. It's almost like, well, come if you insist, come if you must. So Peter gets out of the boat and begins to walk towards Jesus, but after just a step or two, he notices the wind. His attention is captured by this fierce beating wind and by the waves, and he becomes 
frightened all over again, and he begins to sink in that vulnerability and fear. Lord, save me, he cries out. And Jesus catches him. And yes, Jesus chastised Peter when he noticed the wind and began to sink. And Jesus accuses him of doubting and having little faith. As um, a commentator has pointed out, sometimes faith is seeing the boat for what it is. Sometimes faith is seeing the boat for what it is. A shared experience and an opportunity to lean on one another and to encourage each other in the storm while we're waiting on God. The boat is the church. Peter was eager to leave the shipmates and join Jesus, but we are called to trust that Jesus will join us in the boat. And it's only when Jesus and Peter have stepped into the boat and are with the others that the storm ceases and the winds calm. We're not called to walk on water. Even if with enough faith we might be able to do so, we are not called to walk on water. We're not required to be infinite or all-powerful or even exceptional. Because God who commands the seas and heals the sick and breathes life into all things is with us. And with or without us, God is able to do all things. Amen.